Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Hey, well, who's excited to be in the presence of God today? I know I am. We're getting really close. I'm just going to let you know, worship team, one Sunday, I'm not even going to preach. We're just going to go right into God's presence and just keep on doing. No, it's not this Sunday. It's not this Sunday. God's got a word. We've got to get to the word. But hey, before you find a seat, find, don't get me hyped. <laughs> find three people. Why don't you wave at them and, and, and go ahead and take your seats. Here. Tell them, welcome to church. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. Great job, worship team. Amen. Well, so glad to see you here. If we haven't met yet, my name is JJ, and alongside my wife Liz, we have the honor and privilege of serving as pastors here at Journey Church. It's the joy of our life. We love it. Love you, Journey Youth. You guys are awesome. And if you didn't know that, that means you are a first-time guest, and we are so grateful that you took some time out of your weekend to be with us today. We don't take it lightly. We know it took a lot of work to get the kids in the car. It took a lot of work to put on that makeup. It took a lot of work to iron those clothes on a Sunday when you have every right to stay in your PJs, but you chose to come to church, and so we're grateful for that. You're a very important person if you're a first-time guest to us. We don't take that lightly. So uh, Journey Church, I know we did this once already, but would you do me another favor and put your hands together and welcome all of our first-time guests. It's a big deal that you're with us. If you're looking for a home church, we think you found it. Keep it going for Journey Church Online. We're going to church online. Amen. Journey Church Online, we love you. We know that you can't be in the room for health reasons, and when that changes, I can't wait. we can't wait to worship with you in person again. As I mentioned before, if you're staying at home for health reasons, continue to do so. If you're staying at home for habit reasons, break that habit. There is something in the room here, and if you can be here, you want to be here. Come on, testify to the people on the camera. Yeah, the only people who got excuses are the ones that are sick and then the ones that are like in other states. We love you. Journey Churches, we're glad that you're with us. We love you. And countries. I guess that would be a, a, a problem as well. Well, hey, before we get into the message, I want to let you know where we're going today. Uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting ends today. Ends today. I want to be real clear. It, it, uh, if you're a first-time guest, we've been fasting for 21 days and praying. It ends after today. It's real important to know. Somebody in the, in the practice service was like, I'm going to the restaurant after this service. And I'm like, in order in water. You know, like... Just kidding. We don't force fasting on anybody, but God will judge you. Um, <laughs> hey, listen, if this prayer and fasting 21 days has been blessing your life, here's what I would love for you to do. I would love for you to send an email to amen at journeyorl.com. You know, there's nothing more powerful than a story, and I think God has done something special in your life over these last 21 days, and I would love to hear your story. And if you're still waiting on your miracle, if you're still praying for that thing that you've been praying for after 21 days, let us know as well at amen at journeyoral.com online. Let us know so that we can join you in that prayer. February 1st, just a couple weeks away, we are starting small groups. Our small group semester begins. Yeah, I'm so hyped about small groups. Um, I can't tell you about all of them because they're all amazing. You need to find one that meets the season of life that you're in, but I will let you know about two. One is freedom. We've got a freedom group. And freedom group is exactly what it sounds like. If you've got things in your life that you need to work out, you want to be a part of a freedom group. It's 12 weeks long, and it ends in a two-day conference that we are hosting ourselves here at Journey Church. And it's uh, full of prayer. It's full of miracles and healing, and I think you'd enjoy it. Also, 
opened yesterday, we have our registration for Journey Leadership uh, Midweek, what we're calling JLM, Journey Leadership Midweek. And it is a two-year small group broken up into four semesters, 12 weeks long, where you can learn theology, you can learn character development, culture, um, and you can learn how to lead other people. And so uh, if you're looking for something like that, that's available as well. But whatever you do, sign up quick because the groups are filling up. And I would hate for you uh, to miss out. And on February 7th, that is in two weeks or three weeks, something that's coming up soon, uh, we've got our fairy tale series, Love, Sex, and Marriage. And it is our most popular series. Um, is we talk about relationships, and it really doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum of relationships. Single, dating, married, engaged, complicated, whatever your relationship status is on Facebook, we want you to know that this series is going to help you. And even outside of dating relationships, I think it's going to bless just your relationships in general. Because whether you believe it or know it or not, most of your problems stem in relationships. And we feel like if we can work on the relationships, then the fruit of those dysfunctional relationships should grow or dissipate depending on whether it's good or bad. And so we hope that you you do that. And uh, one last announcement before we begin. My wonderful, beautiful wife, this Wednesday, will turn 39. It's okay. Some of y'all women are like, I don't know if we're supposed to clap for that. 39. I'm not sure. You could clap for that because she is 39. Still fine and all mine. Yes, sir. And her father-in-law turned 78. I'm just kidding. 72. Her father turned 72 on Saturday. We love you, too. And uh, so after service, I'm going to be heading out with them, so you probably won't find me. And I will be ordering water and having lunch with my wife. Disclaimer. Today's service and sermon is potentially uh, offensive. <laughs> I just thought I should do that at the beginning. If you're new to church, I don't always do that. I've done that one time before in four years of pastoring, and that was in our relationship series last year when I was talking about the roles of husbands and wives, and I was like, disclaimer, somebody going to get mad. And so I just want to say at the beginning, disclaimer, <laughs> um, today's sermon has the potential to offend you. And so if you are a first-time guest, don't judge our church on today's sermon. Come back next week. You'll hear something a lot more positive and uplifting, I promise you. But it doesn't just have the potential to offend you. I believe it also has the potential to transform you. How many people know that sometimes the most offensive things we hear in our life are the things we need to hear? The reason why they offend is because we're still sensitive in that area. There's some healing that we need to do. So when you touch that part of me, I go, ooh, I still haven't quite completely healed from that yet. And at church, our job is to encourage you, make no mistake about it, but it's also to challenge you. And so today you are going to be challenged. So that's it. If you don't want to be challenged, pick up your bags, head to the back. Now we've got a whole nother sermon in the, I'm just kidding, we don't. This is all you got today. So I hope you enjoy it. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. We've been in this series called The Year That I Grew. If you're joining us for the first time, this is, we spent the whole month in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5. And uh, today we're going to do something a little different. We're not going to read the entire passage that we've been reading from, but we will start at the same place. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Now, we spent a lot of time on the first half of this verse talking about the much talking about the this, talking about the making it clear. 
I want to talk about that last part of that verse where it says, because you no longer try to understand. Because you have to try and understand, even though he's saying it's hard to understand, that the reason why you can't grasp what I'm talking about, this author is telling the audience, is not because it's complicated. That's not what he said. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because it's complicated. He said, I have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. So in other words, what I'm trying to teach you is hard for you to understand, not because it's complicated, but because you're not trying to hear it. Have you ever been in a situation with somebody where you just weren't trying to hear it? I just just don't want to hear it because if I hear it and I receive it, then I have to do something with what you just said. And every husband who didn't hear their wife ask them to throw out the garbage silently and secretly says amen. Don't say it out loud. Amen. Yeah, there you go. Man, we're a transparent church here. I remember uh, about last year, uh, Liz got this special pancake griddle. It was, it was high tech. You had to set it to a certain, I thought it was high tech. You had to plug it into the wall. You set it to a certain temperature. You had to put just the right amount of butter on it or oil on it. Then you had to pour just the right amount of batter. You had to make the batter a precise way. And, and the boys loved these pancakes so, 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 so much. It was their favorite breakfast. And Liz was on a streak. She was just in that mood. She was just making them every week. And, and one day she looked at me and she said, these kids really love these pancakes. And I said, me too. <laughs> she said, would you like to know? how to make these pancakes. I said, not at all. I would not like to know how to make these pancakes because up until this point, every time the boys have asked me to make pancakes, I have been able to answer them honestly that daddy does not know how to make the pancakes, you see? So if you teach me how to make the pancakes, then the next time they ask me to make the pancakes, I will not be able to have that as an excuse anymore. I don't want to know. Because with Revelation comes responsibility. Raise your hand if, if you know how to change the oil in your car. Raise your hand if you know how to raise the oil, change the oil. Keep it up, keep it up. Okay. Good for you. Good for you. I had a guy come up to me. He's like, you want to learn how to change the oil in your car? I was like, no. He said, but real men know how to change the oil in their car. I said, you don't need to be a real man to change the oil in the car. You just need $50. That's all you need to change the oil in your car. I said, because up until this point, when my wife is looking for ways to save money in the house, I've been able to tell her, listen, we can't take the budget away from the oil change because I don't know how to change the oil. And if you take that excuse away from me, now I'm going to have to change the oil. So I don't want to know. Because with Revelation comes responsibility. The reason why the people in Hebrews do not want to hear what the author is telling them is because if they receive it, they are now going to be responsible for something that was not their responsibility before. What was that thing that they're not trying to be responsible for? Well, for the first time, we're going to start at Hebrews 5.1. Hebrews 5.1. Every high priest is selected from among the people. So it was a person and appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. What you have to understand is that in the Old Testament, which is the first half of your Bible, there was this uh, priesthood. And these priests, what they did was, was they managed your relationship with God. 
Anything you needed from God, they did it for you. So if, as you read, if they had to sacrifice, the priest would sacrifice for you. If you had to pray, the priest would pray for you. If you had to read the Bible, the priest would read the Bible for you. If you had to worship, the priest would worship for you. And the problem with that setup is though while it was convenient, it was not consistent. Because you might want to go to the temple that day to, to present your sacrifice, but there was a long line of people. It's like a spiritual DMV. You never going to get in. Or maybe once you got in, you gave your offering, but the priest you gave your offering to was dishonest, and so he just took it and fed his kids. Or let's say you found a really good priest, but then because he's a human being, he died, and then a bad priest came and took his place. And that is the problem with people, isn't it? That although they are convenient to run to, they are not consistent. I mean, people are there for you until, until they're not. It's easy to run to your father for advice until he passes away. It's easy to run to your spouse for love until she divorces you. It's easy to run to your kids for affection and affirmation until they grow up and leave the house. It's easy to run to your pastor for a word until he disappoints you. And so what Jesus does, knowing that the system is flawed, says, now here's what we'll do. Alma step in and be the high priest. So instead of running to a person so that that person can run to God, let's just get rid of the middleman altogether. And why don't you just run straight to God himself? Because Jesus is nothing if not consistent. His love is consistent. His peace is consistent. His word is consistent. His promises are consistent. His power is consistent. His beauty is consistent. His goodness is consistent. He's not just convenient. He's consistent. You can count on him. So no more lines. No more middlemen. You got something that needs God's attention, and you can bring it to him yourself. But they didn't want to hear that because with revelation comes responsibility. So now you're saying, I got to pray for myself. Now you're saying I got to sacrifice for myself. Now you're saying I got to read the word for myself. I want to grow. I just don't like to cook. Now Hebrews 5.12 makes sense. We've been reading it all month, but now it makes sense. Look at it again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk is still an infant. But solid food is for the mature. See, back in the Bible times, they didn't have formula. Formula is that thing that you give the baby if you're not able to breastfeed. And thank God for it because a lot of women have trouble with that. And that's great. That's fine that they were able to find a solution. But back in the Bible times, you had to breastfeed your child. So you have to catch the image. When he calls them an infant and he tells them that they need milk and not solid food, he is drawing a picture to ask a question. And this is the question. Why do you still need someone else to feed you? I've been in the church over 30 years, and I have, can't tell you how many times I've heard this statement from people as, as, as the premise for why they left their church. Well, pastor, it's just that I wasn't being fed. Nobody fed me at that church. And I got to be honest, I have no idea what you're talking about. 
maybe you mean it was too hard to schedule an appointment with the pastor. Maybe you mean you didn't like your small group leader. Maybe you mean that we didn't have or the church didn't have the right discipleship classes for you. I'm not really sure what you mean, but I'm going to assume that whatever you mean is some form of the following sentence. I'm not growing and it's someone else's fault. But you see, the only person who complains about not being fed are babies. See, so if you're new to Christianity, this part ain't for you. You just sit back and enjoy these other people. Jesus deal with these other people. <laughs> the only people who complain about not being fed, who cry about not being fed, are babies. But if you grow, everyone else, make a sandwich. That's the title of my message, by the way. Make a sandwich. You groan. If you're hungry, go eat. Nobody is stopping you from feeding. Today, I want to talk about owning your own spiritual growth. About being responsible for your own development. I told you this was going to be a little bit offensive today. (laughs) Because when you place expectations on other people to feed you spiritually, you are trying to avert to an Old Testament form of spirituality that no longer exists. That was done away with. God says, I'm the priest now. Deal straight with me. Come to me. And there's no middleman no more. It's a stage of development that God no longer wants us to live in. That's why when you're born, within minutes of being born... They cut the umbilical cord. Do you know why they cut the umbilical cord? Because that season of your life is over. That season where you had to depend on what someone else ate to feed you is gone. What I'm about to say is sounds real weird, but you got to give me a second to explain it. I'm a good pastor, but I'm a bad mother. That's right. Your pastor just called himself a bad mother. Let me explain. Some of the people in this room today have given their life to Jesus because of one of the sermons that I've preached. Last year, over 360 of you. That's amazing. But don't become over-dependent on the thing that birthed you. The thing that you're eating is the same thing that I'm eating. Just because I know how to cook the steak doesn't mean you shouldn't go home. The reason why I cook steak, the reason why is not so that you never have to make a meal yourself. It's so that you can develop the taste for steak so that you can go home and go cook yourself some steak yourself. You got to feel, listen, I'm just saying I can't do your Bible study for you. Every time I preach a message, it can't be revelation. Sometimes it ought to be confirmation of the thing that God spoke to you in your private time. That's why I love Rick Perez. Rick Perez tells me all the time when I finish, oh my gosh, Pastor Jay, the thing you preached about, I was talking about in our small group. Well, of course, it's the same Holy Spirit speaking to you and speaking to me. I ought to confirm what you hear from God on Sunday mornings. But I thought that's what pastors do. Pastors, that's what they do. No. The metaphor and motif for pastor in the New Testament is that of a shepherd. Now, I am not 
I don't teach master classes on shepherds, but I know a couple things about a shepherd that you don't even need to be an expert to know. I know that shepherds do a lot of things for their sheep. They guide their sheep. They protect their sheep. They discipline their sheep. They love their sheep. But I have never seen a shepherd feed their sheep. And you know why? Because if you were to get on Google right now and type sheep food, an image of grass (laughs) would pop up. In other words, you got all the resources you need to grow. Eating is your job. Feeding is your job. It's your job. Now it makes sense. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you still need someone to teach you. By the way, the author is not telling us that we all need to become teachers by vocation. That would be horrible. Some of y'all don't have the patience to be teachers right now. Props to all the virtual school teachers. You are not getting paid enough. Whatever you are getting paid right now, how you keep a seven-year-old engaged is beyond me through a computer screen. God bless you and all the people and your children and your children's children. And (laughs) God bless you. What he's saying is you need to have the attitude of a teacher. Because I was a teacher. I taught at the highest levels at a university. And as a teacher, you know what you have to do before you get to class? You have to know your material better than your students. Because you never know what questions they're going to ask. And I remember, I had a, also being a student, I was going for my master's degree, I had a teacher. He was horrible. He was so bad. I couldn't tell what it was, but every course he taught was just so boring. And one day when I had his lecture up, it was a virtual class, I had his lecture up in one window, and I opened up another window because we were studying, and I opened up a window, and it was the window for Encyclopedia Britannica. And as I opened up both windows, he's teaching, and everything that he's saying, he was reading verbatim the Encyclopedia Britannica. He wasn't teaching. He was reciting And it sounded like it. He didn't even make it exciting. The least you could do is pretend like you're writing it, you know, throw some inflection in your voice or something. And then students would leave that class and they would be so upset and we would would chat on the online board and they'd be like, oh my gosh, he's the worst teacher. I'm not learning a thing. Can I be honest? Not bragging, but I didn't have that experience. I learned a ton. You know why? Because I understood whose responsibility it was to learn. I don't care if you're a good teacher or a bad teacher. Guess what? The teacher and the student got the same textbook. So if you suck at teaching it, that means I got to be better at learning it. I got to study. I got to get in the book. I got to learn. So it doesn't matter if you got mentors. It doesn't matter if you don't got good mentors, good pastors, bad pastors, good circumstances, bad circumstances. The responsibility for learning and feeding is on you and me. It's on you and me. And so I'm going to teach you today. How to make a sandwich. You ready? Yeah. Teach you how to, everybody, three people in the middle. I love y'all. Thank you so much. <laughs> Jolie. Jolie's always ready. <laughs> Anybody ready to learn how to make a sandwich? All right. Well, a sandwich, a sandwich is the left side. You left me hanging, but it's okay. A sandwich, for the most part, is broken up into two forms. I mean, there's a thousand different types of sandwiches. But for the most part, you got two things. You, you got the middle and you got the bread. You got the middle, they're not paying to be sponsored, so we're going to turn this around right here. You got the middle, but Smuckers, if you want some, come get it. Um, 
the middle and the bread. So I'm going to teach you. Make a sandwich, you need two things. You need the middle. And to make a sandwich, here's what I believe about the middle. Go ahead, put it up there. I believe when we talk about the middle, what we're talking about in making a sandwich is you have to make a friend. You got to make a friend. The middle is your friendships, your relationships. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to one another and you shall be healed. The Bible says, confess your sins to the Lord and you shall be forgiven. But in James 5, it says, confess your sins to one another and you shall be healed. You, when we confess to God, we are forgiven. When we confess to people, we are healed. Got to get in community so that God can heal you. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, I hear what you're thinking. Pastor, you've been talking about not to run to people, not to run to people, not to run to people. And all of a sudden now, you're talking about how we need people. What I meant was people make bad saviors but good sharpeners. People can sharpen you. People can improve on you. People can help build your life. We make bad foundations, but we make good bricks. We can help build your life. And I think it's a great metaphor, the middle and people, because one thing I know about the middle of every sandwich is that the middle is messy. And people are messy. Now, I know we're still on the last day of the fast, so you have to forgive me, but I brought some pictures of some messy sandwiches. Can we throw them up on the screen? For, yeah, go ahead. Mm. Yes, Lord. <laughs> when I open up my mouth, <laughs> breaking out. Anyway, uh, next photo. Oh, my gosh. Is it possible? Is it biblical? Can, can you lust for food? Are we sinning right now? Is this a sin? I feel like we're sinning. Get it off the screen. i never forget, I have a good friend, Michael Cole. He's watching right now. I love you, Mike. And, uh, and Michael took me to this burger joint called Teak. And we went to this burger joint, and they were famous for their messy burgers. And, uh, and, and we ordered this thing. He said, what, what, I said, what should I order? He said, oh, they're famous for this. So I ordered this burger. He came, and it was a big old patty, bacon hash brown, a fried egg, and the bread was made of two cinnamon sugar donuts. When the lady dropped it off in front of me, waitress dropped it off in front of me, I said, excuse me, ma'am. She said, yeah, I said, does this come with instructions? Because I don't even know where to start. She said, well, most people eat it with a fork, which FYI, the moment you got to eat your sandwich with a fork, it ceases to be a sandwich at that point. <laughs> that point is gluttony at that point. And and I ate that, and it tasted so good. I mean, I know for a fact I lost years off of my life expectancy. As I was eating it, I could feel cholesterol building a permanent home in my heart. I could feel it. My, my, I, I, you ever eat something that was so bad for you that you had shortness of breath at the end? It was like that. I was like, this is not good but I won't trade it for anything in the world. All I'm saying is it was messy, A, but it's the messiness, huh? Isn't that how you know a sandwich is going to be good? The messier it is, the better it is. Maybe that's what Proverbs 14.4 means. Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. In case you have trouble understanding, it's saying that without oxen, because uh, you know oxen, they do something a lot. Oxen, you know. <laughs> and the author of Proverbs is saying the only way to have a clean stable is to have a stable with no oxen. The only way to have 
A life with no mess is to have a life with no friends. But if you want friends, you got to be prepared to have a mess. Friendships are painful, friendships are messy, and friendships are totally worth it. Because people can be annoying, say amen. amen. That was a little too much <laughs> passion. But people can also be beautiful, say amen. People can be helpful, say amen. amen. People can be that rock when you're hurting, say amen. amen. People, man, you need people in your life, but people can be messy, but so what? It's worth it. Diversity can be messy. But it's worth it. We get a whole bunch of Spanish people that come to our church all the time, and they, they don't know what kind of church we are. <laughs> Maybe like, well, his last name is Vasquez. And I heard three people talking Spanish in the bathroom. <laughs> but nobody's selling pasteles out in the front. <laughs> so I'm not really sure what kind of church this is. <laughs> we get black people who come to our church all the time. And they're like, hmm. No, the pastor is kind of hype. He do be jumping around a lot. He does shout when he preaches. The music is on beat. <laughs> but the service is less than two hours. <laughs> so I'm not really sure what kind of church this is. We get white people come to our church all the time. <laughs> white people be like, well, he dressed kind of hipster. <laughs> and, and they do play Hillsong. <laughs> but sometimes the service goes over 75 minutes. <laughs> so I don't know what kind of church this is. Can I just make it simple for you? Yeah. Journey Church is a mess. A beautiful, wonderful, intentional, man, we a little bit of black and a little bit of white and a little bit of Latino and a little bit of old and a little bit of young. I think God is tired of eating the same thing. I think he's looking for a church that got a good combination, got a good mix, got a good bit of flavor all over the place. I'm so grateful for the people who don't look like me that call this church home, who understand that it's this kind of church that's going to change the world. When you walk in here, you can't tell if we Baptist, Pentecostal, Catholic. That's the kind of church we want. A mess. And it gets messy. It gets messy, but it's worth it. Thankful for people like David and Janelle Ray. Wave your hand in the back, David and Janelle. Would it be safe to say you guys are in your 70s? He is, not you. He is. Three years ago, when our church was a bunch of 20-year-olds, they came and called this place home. And uh, they're moving away now. And so I want to say thank you for making us believe that our church could be more than one nationality, one age group. If you think that Journey Church is a church for young people, Talk to David and Janelle because we are not a church for young people by age. We are a church for young people by spirit. If, if you still dream 
We your church. The middle is messy. The middle is also an experiment. That's the best part about doing sandwiches. You just open up the fridge and you just be like, what you got? Whatever you got, you're going to make a sandwich with it. It's good. I remember growing up with my sister and uh, we were both hungry. Mom didn't make no food for us. So he said, let's make a sandwich. I love marshmallows. She loved pickles. So we made a marshmallow pickle sandwich. Don't knock it till you try it. Listen, it was good at the time. I would not recommend eating a marshmallow pickle sandwich right now. The problem is some of us are still eating marshmallow pickle sandwiches. In other words, if you still have the same friends you had in elementary school, don't be surprised when you still have elementary school problems. The stuff you're going through right now, that's like second grade stuff right there. We got to be beyond that. But friendships are meant, when I called it an experiment, to be added and subtracted from. There's some friends in your life that choose to not grow with you. And so here's how I wrote it. When we grow up, you have to understand that we also often outgrow. So I love you, but you are not helping me get to the next place in my life. And I don't think I'm helping you. And so I'm going to have to subtract this friendship, and now I'm at Journey Church looking to add a friendship that's going to get me to the place that I envision for my life, that God has for me. The third thing you need to know about the middle is that the middle is messy, it's an experiment, and the middle is in the pantry. The other day, I ate a peanut butter and bee pollen sandwich. Bee pollen is a thing, and it's delicious. You're welcome. I wasn't going to try it because it's weird. It sounds weird, but it was the only thing that was in the pantry. So I put it on the bread, and I ate my sandwich, and I enjoyed it. All I'm trying to tell you is that I believe that the relationship that you're looking for is in this church. It's in the pantry. You just got to go look for it. There's a reason why we call it make friends. People always say, well, you know, it's hard to connect. Nobody looks like me. Nobody's my same age. Nobody's the same season of life. Nobody has three kids and two dogs and one cat. And so I don't know if I can connect because we're not all. First off, maybe it's good that you start hanging out with people that aren't exactly like you. Maybe if you're young, you need to be in a small group with someone older so that you can gain from their wisdom. Maybe if you're old, you need to be in a small group with someone younger so you can gain from their passion. Maybe if you're white, you need to have somebody black in your small group so you can gain from their vision. Maybe if you're black, you can have someone white in your small group so you can understand their perspective. It's good that we mix, but you got to go find it. I feel like we expect our friendships to develop like romantic comedies. You ever seen a romantic comedy? They just bump into each other and all of a sudden it's like, I feel like you expect to be at kids' checkout, Journey Kids, and then your kid comes out with a red and blue Mickey and Minnie shirt, and then another kid comes out with a red and blue Mickey and Minnie shirt, and then that mom looks at the kid, looks at your kid, you look at your kid, you look at that kid, you look at the mom, you look at each other, and you go, oh, is this happening right now? Are we, like, going to be BFFs, like, right now? It don't happen like that. You got to make friends. You got to get out there, try relationships, get to know people. And if it doesn't work, subtract. When you find them, add. But you got to make it. Journey youth, you got to make friends. You got to find people. You got to bring them along. So that's the middle. That's the middle. 
The other part is the bread. And, and before you put up in the back, before you put up what the bread is, let me just tell you, the next thing that I, I want to I hype this up. The next thing that I'm going to tell you about this bread is that this bread, it, it's, what it is, is so simple that you're going to think I spent no time in preparing this. You're going to be like, well, I knew that. But if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know that what I'm about to tell you the bread is, is one of the most difficult things for Christians to do. And if you're new to the faith, you already know this too. Are you ready? Say amen. amen. It's going to sound simple, but I promise you it's difficult. The bread, I talked about the middle is to make friends. Here's the bread. The bread is make time for Jesus. Hard to do. Hard to do. Because Jesus is the bread. Why is Jesus the bread? Because he says so. John chapter 6, verse 35. I am the bread. Ha ha. There you go. You don't got to have a Hebrew degree or a Greek degree. He said, I am the bread of life. Yo soy el pan. He said it. <laughs> a Spanish for those who. I got you, Pablo. I got you. <laughs> I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So I'm going to help you out. What does it mean? What does it practically mean to make time for Jesus? Because that might be hard to understand. So I'm going to give you three one, real quick. I'm going to go through them fast. The first way we make time for Jesus is we make time to read God's word. Got to make time to be in your B-I-B-L-E. Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus is tempting, the devil is tempting Jesus in the desert. Jesus is on a 40-day fast, and he's, he's, he's not eating anything. He's just drinking water, if you can believe it. It's true. 40 days, just water. And the devil comes to tempt him with food. The devil tells him, hey, you see those, those, those stones over there? Why don't you turn those stones? If you got power, why don't you turn those stones into some uh, red lobster biscuits? Because you know them red lobster biscuits are the truth. Why don't you turn those stones into some, some breadsticks and Alfredo sauce from Olive Garden? Why don't you simmer down? <laughs> and then Jesus' response is this. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, he's saying, devil, if I were to turn those stones into bread, it would fill my stomach, but it would empty my soul. The other day, Liz and I came home from the gym, and we would get home to make lunch. And to clarify, Liz was going to make lunch. And <laughs> Zane was like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Justice was like, I'm good. Liz was like, what did you eat? He was like, nothing. But he had eaten all day. So she's like, ask again, what did you eat? He was like, nothing. By now he should know that his mother is prophetic. So she knew. She said, okay. She said, so then what is this Snickers wrapper doing on the counter? He said, oh, I forgot. <laughs> I did have that Snickers bar. And as parents, we get upset because that Snickers bar might have satisfied your stomach. Your stomach might be full, but your muscles are empty because they didn't get the protein that we were going to get you when we cooked you a good lunch. 
Your stomach might be full, but your mind is empty because it didn't get the vitamins and the nutrients and the minerals that it needed. I'm just trying to say sometimes we can do things that satisfy our flesh, but they don't fill the rest of our life. I can binge Netflix with the rest of them, but I never feel good when I'm done. There's a part of me that is almost emptier at the end of it than it was at the beginning because there's a whole nother kind of full that the Bible gives to your life. And it's not stomach full. You get in the word and all of a sudden you will discover how to become peace full, rest full, power full, beauty full, mind full, care full, thought full, delight full. The word of God fills you in ways that the things of this world cannot. I'm going to give you the last two quick. Not just make time to read God's word, make time to serve. Make time to serve. And I'm going to be real honest about this. Make time to serve right here at Journey Church. John 4, 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, Rabbi. I was going to say Rabboni. I was going to say it in Hebrew, but it's Rabbi. It means teacher. Eat something. Verse 32. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. He had just ministered to the woman at the well. Some background information. There's this woman going through a bad situation, and he helped her. Okay? So you need to know. I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone, I love you, this is comedy. The Bible is comedy. Who fed Jesus? That's what, the, that's what the disciples said. Who gave him food? Verse 34. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me from finishing his work. There is a bread that you don't know about that's called serving in God's kingdom. And it fills parts of you that traditional regular food cannot fill. Can I tell you a little about my week this week? Monday, I had meetings all day. Then I had to do some counseling with some members of the church. On Tuesday, I spent half the day preparing for this sermon. I had one day to prepare for this sermon altogether. I usually spend three days to prepare for a sermon. I had one, a half a day to prepare for the sermon. I had to spend the other half of the day preparing the eulogy for a friend of mine whose wife passed away. That evening, I went to the viewing. That morning, I woke up early on Wednesday morning. So that's Tuesday. On Wednesday morning, I woke up to the funeral, had to deliver the eulogy, one of the most difficult, heart-wrenching moments of my life. I've never experienced that before. It was emotional, draining, painful. As soon as I deliver the eulogy, I go to the back, and then my wife and I have to get in the car. We have to drive to Tampa. Her and I spend the next two days in Tampa, Wednesday and all day Thursday, all day Wednesday, all day Thursday. This is something to celebrate as a church. We were spending two days training over 30 church planners from eight different states to start churches in their hometowns this year. We gave them money. We gave them training. We resourced them and equipped them. I preached six times Wednesday and Thursday. Then we come home late Thursday night. Friday was supposed to be our Sabbath, but halfway through, an emergency came up. It was a good emergency, but it was an emergency. We had to deal with that. Saturday morning, we have a leadership event at Journey Church called Reset. We had over 100 people. I taught for two hours straight. Straight. No break. Taught for two hours straight. Came home right after that. Had a run out. Came home. 
I finished preparing for the message. It was up till late at night. And now I'm here preaching a second service. I don't want you to feel bad for me. I was so empty. I had poured out so much of myself. There was so little in me. And yet, at the same time, I can stand here in front of you and say, I have never been more full. Never been more full. It's a fullness that doesn't relate to my level of energy. It's a fullness that doesn't relate to the level of my mental capacity. It's the fullness that goes beyond my talent, ability, skill, or capacity. It's a fullness that I cannot explain, but I know it comes through doing the will of my Father. And the final one. Told you, you got to make time for God's word. You got to make time to serve. You can do that through next steps. Get connected. You got to make time for his presence. Exodus 25, verse 30. And you shall set the bread of the, say this word with me, presence. Say it with me, presence on the table before me regularly. And you shall be in my presence regularly. This is where it gets hard for me to explain because now I'm teaching you something that's like ethereal. It's hard to grasp. The Bible, I get it. Open it, close it. Serving, I get it. I'll go and I'll become a greeter. But what do you mean, Pastor Jesus, when you talk about presence? The only way I can explain presence to you is I was at the doctor's recently. They did a blood test. They found out that I was vitamin D deficient. My immunity was really weak. I was getting sick a lot. They gave me vitamin D pills. And then they said, and if you really want to fix this issue, they said, get more sun. I said, why? They said, because sun produces vitamin D in your body. I was deficient in my body because I wasn't spending enough time in the sun. There are things that you feel empty in that if you would just spend time in the sun, those deficiencies would fall away. And then I found out, I didn't know this, I'm not a scientist. I used to think that the reason why... The summer was hot and the winter was cold was because in the summer, the earth is closest to the sun. How many people believe that? Yeah. Well, get ready to... Turns out that's not the case. We know that because in some countries, when it's summer, in other countries, it's winter. So if it was at the distance of the earth to the sun, then it would be summer on the planet all at the same time. But it's not. It turns out that it's not the distance to the sun that makes it summer or winter. It's the access at which the earth tilts which was a revelation for me because here's what I felt like God was telling me. It's like, JJ, people at church want me to get closer to them. Get closer to me, God. Get closer to me, God. But what they don't understand is that I don't, I've always been here. I'm the center of the universe. I'm in this room right now. The people who feel me, i.e. summer, are not the ones who I'm closer to. The people who feel me are the ones who tilt towards me. And if you tilt towards me, if you just, just stay in my, just let me shine on you. Let me rain on you. Let me warm you. Let me feel you. I will do it. And here's the best part. You don't got to say a word. You don't got to pray in the King James Version. You don't got to talk in, in tongues. Just, just be in my presence and I will fill you with my love. If you just tilt towards me, we're spending our lives with our arms at our side and God is saying, if you would just tilt, that looks different for everybody. That might be a walk in the park. That might be having coffee early in the morning. But if you just make time to just sit with God, I promise you, you will feel this radiant energy that I'm speaking about. It fills every crevice in your heart. So if you're hungry today and you're empty and you want 
to be filled, can I invite you to meet the Son? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room right now and you are empty, there's an emptiness and a depth to your existence. There's a void. You've been running to people to fill that gap, running to pastors, running to podcasts, running to sermons, and, and God is saying, okay, no more running to sermons, no more running to YouTube channels, no more running to Tony Robbins, no more running to motivational speakers, no more. From now on, today, I want you to run to me. I am the high priest. I stand in the gap. That's you, and you want Jesus to come into your life and shine on you. You don't have a relationship with him, or you haven't had one in many years. When I say three, shoot your right hand up to the sky. Jesus, I need you in my life. All over this building on three. One, you need Jesus. Two, forget about what other people think. This is your moment all over this place. One, two, three, right now. Shoot your right hand up high. Come on, I want to see that hand. Come on, I see that hand. One, two, three. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Amen. Go ahead, put your hand down. We're gonna pray with you. We're not gonna let you go, okay? The moment you raise your hand, we are on the same team. So, Journey Church, whether you raise your hand or not, I want you to repeat this. Worship team, help me repeat this prayer. Let's all pray. Father God, I'm empty, I'm hungry, and I'm tired of running to people for what I need to get from you. So today, I declare my trust in you. Forgive me for my sins. Rescue my life. I make you my beginning and my end. I go to you for all my needs. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, let's give it up for all those people that made a decision to follow Christ. Come on, Journey Church, why don't you stand on your feet and help me welcome them. All right, now, now let's tilt toward the sun right now. Come on, let's make some time for his presence right now. Come on, he is in this room right now. Jesus is in this room right now. You've been empty, he's here, but I can't worship for you. They can't worship for you. She can't worship for you. You gotta worship for yourself. You gotta worship for yourself. Come on, in his presence. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.